let's go live with Jack Kelly. Good morning, everyone. Hey, hey, even though the title for today is a little bit somber, I want to start the morning with some positivity, with some good news. Let, let's let's start with some good news of what's happening because oftentimes lately there's not a lot of good news. But this week, today, there's some good news. Let's start with this. No particular order. Stock market is rallying. Good news. Even if you're not in the stock market, it's good news because it shows that smart investors are having confidence in the economy and the future of what's going to go on in the economy. And if the economy does well, the job market goes well. So that's that's a good sign. There's job growth. The most recent jobs report, almost 200,000 new jobs. And so it was good. But this is what's so crazy about like how, how things go now. It's good to have 200,000 jobs, right? However, if they would have even more jobs, that could be bad because Jerome Powell, the chair of the Federal Reserve Bank, is trying to bring down inflation. And one of the ways to bring down inflation, and this is him saying it, not me, is to make people lose their jobs. And because if you lose your job, Powell thinks that you're not going to spend. And if you're not going to spend, inflation will come down. So you want to have this Goldilocks kind of middle of the range where there are not too many jobs created, but also you don't want to have too many lost because then it could be a, a downward spiral. So, so far we're threading that needle a little bit. I don't know where it's going to land, but so far so good. Um, earnings are holding up. There's a big fear that how will earnings be? I don't know about you guys, but I've been to the mall a few times, like, you know, holiday shopping and all that. And they're packed. You look at rest, go to restaurants, packed stadiums, packed, everything packed, which, 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 which is a good sign showing that consumers are out there spending. And the American consumer, I think, is just propping up the whole economy. Maybe it's revenge spending, revenge travel. But by doing that, things are, you know, money's coming into the system. Things are going. People are getting hired um, for a while. For what now? Wow, it's like a year and a half, maybe, where Powell, the Fed, kept raising interest rates. Now, there's talk, once we head into New Year, not only will they not raise the rates, but kind of cut the rates, which will stimulate the economy even more. Blue-collar workers are doing well. They're doing great. Frontline workers, there are plenty of jobs. So they're, they're, here's that's a positive. I want to start with a positive because the title of today, what was it, Christine? It was something like very sad. What do we call this episode? It is workers are becoming increasingly unhappy at work. How can we <laughs> yeah. So So that's why I want to start positive before we talk about unhappiness. But here's here's what's what's unhappy. That's going on. So, so, so far, are you guys with me that there are some positives? And what I try to do is this I am not into like, arguing politics. I don't, I'm not registered on any, you know, party whatsoever. And I particularly do that because I don't want to feel like I'm part of one tribe or another tribe and that's going to influence my thinking. I, 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 I chew every, you know, both sides. I like to look at everything through the lens of what makes sense, what doesn't make sense. And I just feel it makes sense. I'd like to just bring that part out so you know. So when I'm talking about something, if 
I say, hey, the economy is looking good, that you're like, oh, you're just shilling for Biden. Or if I say something else, oh, you want Trump? See, that's what I want to deal with. I want to say, hey, I'm able to think on my own. Now, it doesn't mean I'm, I'm right. It doesn't mean I have the right answers. But at least you know where I'm coming from. So I just want to give that caveat out there. So when I bring something up, this is not like carrying water for one team or the other team. No, it's trying my best to, to, to get a hold of all the different data, all the different information, everything that's going on, and put it together and figure out where things are going, particularly for our audience, you know, finding jobs, growing in your career, making more money, building your career, enjoying it more, getting a raise, getting a promotion, getting a bonus. So that that's kind of where I want to find all the data that could show, hey, is this going to happen? Is it not going to happen? Is it going to happen quickly or so on? So, But so far, as of this moment, we're talking here, knock wood, things seem okay. You know, it seems pretty okay. Not fantastic, not terrible. One thing that's a little scary is the big debt that we have, but I'm not smart enough to tackle that. So I'll put that aside for someone who's smarter and a, and a really good economist, economist, and maybe we could bring somebody aboard to talk about it. Uh, but let's talk about let's talk about unhappiness, Christine. Why why do you think people aren't happy now? What what's going on in the workplace? You know, it's funny. I was going to say, do you think people are spending because they are so unhappy, almost like retail therapy? I think so, because wasn't there a thing coming out of the you know uh, pandemic where they were saying revenge travel, being stuck yeah. at home for a year, two years, where. Everyone wanted to fly out, including myself, my family. Like everybody was like, all right, let's go. Let's get out of here. Let's get out of the house. Let's go anywhere. And I imagine the same thing with spending, right? You just want to get out and shop or, you know, just go scroll on Amazon and buy stuff, make you feel better. Yeah. That seems so, reasonable, doesn't it? I think so. So you one of the, the revenge spend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So then sometimes I reward myself for saving money by spending a lot. <laughs> now, is that is that what they call girl math? That's and stuff girl like math. That? Yeah. That's <laughs> so, okay. So you save money by buying stuff. Yes. Okay. That makes sense. I'm totally. <laughs> so so I, have you seen that too? Have you been out and about like anywhere? Everything is yeah. crowded. It's it. There's so much traffic everywhere. The stores are crowded, even like the grocery store, like yesterday, it was like Sunday morning and Wegmans was crazy. So yeah, people are definitely shopping. So I, I did make me wonder if it's, if it's like a retail therapy type of thing, if, if workers are so unhappy, but you had asked why workers are unhappy. And one thing is stress levels are at an all time high. And according to like the Gallup poll, a lot of them attributed the stress and anxiety to their managers. Their managers are playing an, out, an outsized role in the stress that workers feel on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, so, so right. There's like a Gallup poll, then like a bamboo HR poll too, where it was like 10 times the, the happiness level. It's like 10x down. Yeah. And, and then, like you were saying, with a Gallup poll, it was, what was it, like stress, quiet quitting, looking for a new job, and yeah. yeah. Nearly six in 10 employees are quiet quitting, according to Gallup. Um, let's see, 51% are actively, like, like 
seeking a new job or just open to the idea of a new job and um, a top factor for that is increased pay and improved well-being and opportunities to grow. And you know, I could see how people feel that way, whether it's at the office or working remotely. You know, we went through what three-ish years of of like dealing with a, a pandemic, and then coming out of it, things look good. Then all of a sudden, they didn't look good. You have high inflation. You high. You have high costs for everything, and then all of a sudden you're looking around and say, "Oh my gosh!" I mean, I think we all have this feeling where you go and buy something, whether it's you know going out to dinner, going to a supermarket, a department store, and you look at the prices and it's just out of control. It's crazy, and for people who don't have a whole lot of money, it's frightening because you're worried like, how long can this last? And all of a sudden, maybe I'm making 100000 a year, but when you figure taxes, if you live in a high-cost area like New York or San Francisco or LA or Chicago or Philly, and let's say just say 100 and change, when you have after taxes, then it's what, like 70, 60? And then when you figure out your car leases, your, your mortgage payments, your, your tuition for your kids for school, groceries, clothes, like not much is left. So it's understandable how workers could feel really aggrieved and worried and concerned. And I think what heightens it too is that when you see this, the salaries and the bonuses and the total compensation of these CEOs and C-suiteers, and they're getting hundreds of millions of dollars, if not billion plus dollars. And meanwhile, their workers are struggling. And then when you add on now, this big movement to get people back to the office, then that even adds on to it because now you have to commute. And if you're commuting, let's say from where I am, from New Jersey into New York, it could easily take an hour, an hour and a half because of traffic. But then there's tolls. But then now there's the new congestion tax in New York City. So then you got to pay that. So I, it's really hard. I, I, you know, I'd be shocked if people were kind of happy at work because there's just so much you have to deal with. You're getting, it's like you're getting hit from all sides. Particularly if, let's say, you're a family and you have kids, and maybe you have elderly parents to take care of, so you like that sandwich generation. So now you got to worry about, you know, your 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 grandma, your grandpa, your parents, your kids, yourself, and and you feel stretched across the board, and and there's really no end in sight. And not to mention, there's also been the shift in power where it went from like an employee's. Um, an employee's job market to an employer's economy, like Mark uh, Levine had said. So yeah, Mark has these great, great insights. He's been a talent acquisition executive for years, and I love his comments because he cuts right to it. Like I love his style because he doesn't pull any punches, um, just says you know the way it is. And yeah, yeah, for a lot of people, this is this is really tough. Now that the employers have the upper hand. They're using it. You know, they're going to use, think about it. Now, we have layoffs. We talked about this in a, in a prior episode, but it's always been 
an unwritten, unspoken agreement that you don't let go of people during the holidays. It was just, it just, it just wasn't a thing to do. And for the obvious reasons, it's not holidays. People need that time to decompress, to see family and friends and do a little travel, you know, you know, get presents for the kids and just, just enjoy some time. But that's, that's not happening now. Like we have Spotify, Twilo, Goldman Sachs, Citigroup, Cisco, Broadcom, a, a whole bunch of others either already announcing layoffs or announced layoffs or planning to announce layoffs. And it shows, and this is what's so cold-blooded. You know, once now they have the upper hand. Think about it. A couple of years back, coming out of the you know pandemic and even during the pandemic, it's all about mental health. Hey, we're going to take care of your mental health and emotional well-being and make sure everything's okay. And we're going to do this for you and that for you because they needed to fight to get the talent. Now, they're like, eh, we don't need the talent because why? We think AI is going to probably take these jobs. So we're not in a rush to hire. Hmm, maybe we're going to move these jobs to different places across the country that are, you know, cheaper. We don't have to pay as much. Or we're going to send these jobs all over the world to do arbitrage and not have to pay as much in those other countries. So now once they have the power, you can see their whole their whole mind shift change. Like, Chris, you remember that? Like, there was like a, about, I don't know, half a year where how many times did companies hit us up? Hey, can you write about what we're doing about mental health and emotional well-being and social gratitude? And then- yeah. Right? There was the tendency of chief people officers too, or like chief well-being officers. Yeah. And now you're like, meh, <laughs> too bad, too yeah. bad. Hey, holidays, schmolidays, who cares? You're fired. Sorry, buddy. You're out of here. <laughs> the, the we're one happy family. Yep, grandma's got to go. Grandpa's got to go. You're dead weight. Goodbye. <laughs> Little Timmy. Either you get a job or you're out of here too, buddy. I mean, it's so cold. It's so, it's, I don't mean to joke about it, but what else can you do sometimes? Because it's to, to me, once, once they lay off without giving a thought about the holidays, and not so much, I'm not a big holiday guy anyway, but just the idea of it crystallizes their mindset. It really opens up the curtain about what they really think. And what they really think is like, we don't want you. We don't need you. We're just getting you and we're going to bring out everything from you. And then once you're done, boop, throw it away and get someone less expensive or maybe find somebody in a different country to take that job. And, and in a way, it's kind of good. And that sounds bizarre, but it's kind of good because now you know the mask is off and you know who they are, what they're thinking. So anytime now, you feel, oh yeah, no, my company's different. Oh no, they're really good. Maybe, but what are the odds? You're the only company that's good. I I don't know. I think I think that the the unhappiness quotient is still going to be high. It's going to be tough. I mean, I th the think the signs are, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, that the economy is doing doing well. The job market seems to be doing well. But then, even then, let's put that in perspective. It's so frustrating because. It's touted by all the media and they all say the same damn thing, right? Oh, all these jobs are created. Oh, all these jobs are created. But they never stop and say, okay, 
what are the jobs? What are the quality of the jobs? Now, the audience here, for the most part, are you know mid to senior level, white collar professionals, college, maybe advanced degrees. But if you look at the actual jobs, the vast majority for the last bunch of months are government jobs. Now, nothing wrong with a government job, but you got to you got to wonder: Are you stacking the deck, hiring people to work? in the government so it makes the numbers look better because we are paying their salaries. And they, I don't know if you know this, if any in your family or teachers or anyone who works you know, for the government, they get lush pensions, they get lots of benefits. You'd have to like kill somebody to get fired. Meanwhile, in most other jobs, you really don't have a, you don't have a pension. You have a 401k maybe, you don't have safety. They could say goodbye to you anytime. You don't have a union to protect you. So the, the biggest number is you know, the government, which you don't want the government to be the biggest number. You want the private sector to show that, that it's strong. And then you got to wonder if it's the government's doing, are they goosing it to make the numbers look good? Because we're, we're in a presidential election cycle, even though early stage, but we're in there. So you got to wonder too, are you trying to game the system? And then on top of that, we got to wonder too, after health, after the government, the next thing is healthcare. Now, is that healthcare because everyone has been freaked out by COVID or are there all these, you know, you see these horror stories about people who took their shots and what went wrong? I don't know, but that seems indexed. Then the, a big cohort one of the biggest cohorts is part-time workers, gig workers, contract workers. Now, nothing is wrong with that. We talked about this in a, in a different episode about having uh, to fill in your gaps to have a bridge job. It's fine to you know to do a gig or do a contract. However, if you're a white collar professional who's been working in kind of a office setting and making 150, 200,000, you lose your job and and when you look and now you're just seeing part-time jobs, gig kind of jobs, contract jobs, nowhere near what you were paid before. So the numbers are questionable. The numbers are very questionable in the sense that they're part-time. And then there's a large amount of people juggling two part-time jobs or more just to make ends meet. So we don't get that full picture of what's happening. Now, in the in the blue collar and in the frontline workers, they're doing pretty okay. They're doing pretty okay. But for the white collar, mid to scene level, still is a little rough. And that's why I to go back to the unhappiness quotient, I think that's what's going on because we don't see that changing. You know, we're seeing companies basically openly hey, we're going to wait and let's see about AI. And out of one corner of their mouth, they're saying, no, we're AI is not going to take your job. But in, they also say, hmm, let's take our time and see, maybe we could replace Jack with AI. So let's hold off. And in a way, if we were the board of directors and senior execs, we probably would think the same thing because if you're paying somebody 100, 150, 200, 250, 300,000 dollars plus benefits, plus all the other remuneration, stock, what have you, 
we would probably also think, hmm, maybe AI could do some of these things and we could save a whole lot of money. This is what's going. So this is the kind of the, even though I started talking about all the positives, here's some of the things that we're dealing with and why, if you're wondering to yourself, and this is what happens a lot. People think, hey, it's just me that's going through. And one of the things I like about doing the, this LinkedIn Live and podcast is that people realize, oh, it's not just me. It's, it's I thought I, I did something wrong. No, it's across the board. This is happening systemic. It's a systemic thing. And it doesn't change it when I say that. However, I feel it gives a measure of comfort knowing when you go home and you speak to your spouse, your partner, your family, and you can let them know, hey, it's, I didn't do something dumb. It wasn't my fault. I didn't screw up at work. The, the, the pattern now is it's a very slow moving <laughs> job market. And, and, and now, like, as we discussed, you can tell why they're waiting for AI. They're waiting to see what happens with automation. They're waiting to see if, Hey, we could put people in different countries and different locations. So as Christy mentioned, since the employer is controlling it, now they're figuring out all ways to clamp down, cut costs, but yet the C-suite, they're going to get paid. They're going to get paid. They're going to get their bonuses. They're going to get their stock. They're going to be taken care of. The rest, not so much. So, what do what do you think, Christine? If you were if you if you had the power, you know, let's say you were the CEO of an organization, what would you do to try to turn it around for the employees to maybe have a, you know, just just a little better, make their lives a little better? I think what the main thing is to have trust to trust your employees because with remote work they want them to come in just so they can micromanage them. But then all that tells me is that you don't trust your own hiring decision, that you didn't hire good people that you can trust that are actually doing the work. So I think one, trust yourself, and then also trust the people that you hire to do their jobs well, and then to do it in a way that, you know, they can be their most effective and most efficient. Yeah, that's a really interesting take. So what, what you're saying is that one of the reasons why these execs want to bring people back to the office is because they don't trust what's going on when they're working remotely and they don't want to put in the time and effort to do what it takes to manage a remote team. Yeah. So it's just easier for them. Is that is that kind of you think that's that's their their their, their process. Exactly. And then also like with managers, I can have some sympathy, not so much CEOs, but managers, because as companies were looking to do away with middle managers, managers have had to justify their own jobs. So they create like this false urgency to complete projects, be present in the office, and they give impossible deadlines. So that, so for people who are listening, and watching this and you were wondering why are they making me do all these like annoying tasks that like seem meaningless so i guess what like what christine is saying these managers need to show hey look at me i'm really important look at all the work we're doing look around look they're so busy everyone's so busy 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 and then 
if you really look at the work product, really, are you really that busy or you're just trying to look busy or you're trying to look like you're working hard? And are you really moving the dial, the needle on the dial? Or, 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 and then another part, Christine, I think what happens is that it stopped now, but when inflation was lower, interest rates were lower, it was easy for companies to get free money, basically. I don't mean mm -hmm. literally free, but very cheap, you know, you know, cheap money is that they were hiring like crazy so that these managers would create these fiefdoms to show how important they were. Mm -hmm. And they were allowed to do it because things looked like they were ever going, everything was wonderful. And so they had all these managers hiring, 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 and they're like, you know, the king or queen or the prince. And take why and, and have a whole army of people under it. But now that's not happening. So I think it's like Christine is 100% right. So what ends up happening, the managers who are left are realizing, uh oh, I'm going to be next because that layer was taken out. I'm the next layer. And if I'm not showing like I'm doing something, I got to worry about my job and I don't want to get unemployed because it's really hard. Is, yeah. is that kind of what you're thinking, Chris? And then especially because investors now are very outspoken and pressuring companies to like divest like entire like divisions and stuff. So then these managers are fighting the show like, hey, no, we're worth it. So then they create like this false sense of urgency that, you know, the employees bear the brunt of. So, so how else, how can like, you know, people advocate for themselves, you know, what, what can they do? you know, to just try to stand out, to make sure they're not on the chopping block? Um, I think definitely requesting like a meeting with your manager. You know, if you want like a flexible work situation, if you have a young child that you need to pick up from school or take to school, um, just, just try to work to get maybe like a flexible schedule established. Um, if you're looking for like career gro growth in that meeting, ask, you know, what projects you can take on, you know, what you can help with, um, show that you're still enthusiastic about your job, because that's what all this is about. It's about disengagement and companies actually lose a lot with engagement. Um, according to Gallup, the, it says low engagement costs a global economy $8.8 trillion, which is 9% of the global GDP. So just from worker unhappiness, because that affects productivity. So I think it's important for employers to kind of be plugged into their people and, and try to fix the solution because it's only costing the company money. So, so what you're saying in a way, it's very short-sighted because even though the managers feel that they're getting away with clamping down on people mm -hmm. is backfiring because they're, they're disengaged. They're doing the bare minimum Mondays. They're doing the quiet quitting. They're doing the acting your wage where they don't want to lose their job, but they're just not going to kill themselves. And by not being engaged and just, just, just coasting, that's costing the company money and it's not helping. And we yeah. all see that. Think about it. Like, if you ever sp speak to like a customer service rep, or a person who know you could tell like right away they're zoned out, like they're not into it. Just their attitude. Yeah, you know, sometimes you think, oh, they're just being jerky to you. No, they're just burnt. They're burnt, and they're angry, and they're surly, and they're unhappy, 
and it comes out and they can't even hide it anymore. There was, a, there was a video on X um, where like a worker, I don't know if he was in customer service. Someone was having problem with like a product that they bought from the company. And then the worker literally said for them to Google it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the perfect example of someone who is completely <laughs> disengaged from this. He's like, leave me alone. Just Google it. Come on, you got Google. Stop bothering me. Yeah. <laughs> leave me alone. I'm overworked and underpaid. Yeah. Stop it. It's 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 tough. I would also add to this, and and this is my buddy Mark Anthony Dyson is is always, you know promotes this mantra that you should always be looking and and never stop. Even if you're happy and everything is great, constantly, constantly look what's out there, go on informational interviews, keep growing and growing your network to see if you can get different job leads, attend different meetups, go to different conferences, different events, just get out there and socialize and make sure your name is out there so that if, you know, if something pops up, they could go, oh, hey, Jack, I was thinking of you. Christine, I was thinking of you. Hey, I hear there's this opening doing such and such. What do you think? Is that something you like to do? So, so while I would suggest you don't want to do anything in a market that's not robust because you don't want to lose your job and have to start looking, but you want to stealthily keep your eyes open. You know, get in touch with the recruiters, get your LinkedIn profile updated, get your resume updated. You know, find you know network, go to all these different things. So, so you got stuff going. And also it helps with your confidence because then you feel like I'm more in control as opposed to if something goes wrong and then you have to start from scratch. And, and, and no one wants to do that because then you feel you're scurrying and you're freaked out. So you want to be prepared for any, any kind of changes in the market. For anyone that's like a chief people officer or HR or manager watching this, what would you suggest that they do? You know, I think with HR people, it's easy for a lot of folks to dunk on them, but it's a hard job because you're kind of stuck. You know, you're, the role which it looks like it's supposed to be is taking care of all the employees. But on the other side, the executive put the pressure on them to do what they want to do. So unless they get a, a, a board seat, I think that would make a big difference. If you had somebody who's a chief people officer who would sit on the board of directors, that would be a huge game changer because now you have somebody you know, sitting there with the CEO, the CFO, and all these other high-level executives, and they, could, and they could give their voice. But without that, it's harder because they're stuck. They're stuck in between where, hey, I'm, I don't have a seat at the table, mm -hmm. so I can't really put out what I want to do. I got to adhere to my bosses, and it's hard for them. But to the best they can, I think it makes sense to maybe do some, some kind of brief surveys to get feedback from people and try to ascertain, hey, how are they thinking? How are they feeling? What are they doing? And then from there try to take some action. And I, and I get it. It's not easy. And it's not, it's very hard to promote changes, particularly in a belt tightening area, but there could be certain things like give social gratitude, social, uh, so that if somebody excels and does well, maybe you have 
on your Slack or wherever you communicate together. Hey, look what, you know, Jane did. She did went above and beyond and she beat her quota and this is what happened or so-and-so brought in this new client and this is going to be awesome for us. And to kind of applaud people in public and let them know. So this way it shows appreciation. It makes people feel better about themselves. It makes it feel that, you know, you're, you're doing something, you're doing a job well done and people appreciate you for it. Uh, you want to have psycho psychological safety because at times like this, people are like, I, I, we all see it wherever, online, in real life, everyone's agitated, everyone's frustrated, everyone's angry, everyone's like, you know, ready to get into an argument. So you want to have this psychological safety where you know, you don't have to, you're not going to be berated by your boss in front of everybody. You're not, you're not going to be, you know, dressed down if you do something wrong. You want to make sure that you could say or do without fear of reprisals. Um, so you want to have appreciation. You want to have social recognition. You want to have psychological safety. I think those are some really big things to add. Then also, you want to maybe sit down, as you mentioned, Christine, with your boss and maybe HR and maybe whoever else to, to plot out, hey, where am I now and where do you think I could go within the organization? And by doing that, you and it's tough because they may say what you don't want to hear, but at least you can get a sense. Hey, do I have a future here? Do I have a growth? You know, do I have a growth chart here, or is this what it is? And so be it. Now it doesn't mean you have to go and yell and scream. I, I'm quitting out. No, it just you want to know what's going on. Are those are those things you were talking about, Chris? Yeah, and I also think it's important for managers to be trained to identify the signs of burnout and other mental health issues in addition to like the the micro surveys and stuff that you mentioned you know that, that's a great point because like over the over the last couple of decades of you know, being in this space number one you never see i've i haven't seen it may i'm sure it exists but i haven't seen at scale where companies would train managers interviewers and hiring managers how to interview for whatever reason, they just feel like, oh, you're a manager, so you know how to interview. Go interview this person. And that's, in my opinion, one of the reasons why interviews just kind of suck is because they're not trained. They don't know really what to say. So they ask those just cliche questions. Where do you see yourself in five years? What's your strengths? What's your weaknesses? Instead of really getting into an organic, genuine, authentic conversation where you learn about the candidate. You know, also... As, as Chris mentioned, I, for a brief moment in time, people were focused, you know, execs were focusing on mental health, and emotional well-being. now, not so much. So I think also it's important to have that, uh, you know, that, that company that offers help, you know, mental health, emotional well-being, having professionals on staff or something to make sure that you could tell, Hey, Jack is just burnt out. We got to do something or he's on that pathway to getting burnt out and it's not going to help anybody. Let's, let's, let's take preventive actions. And I don't see that. I mean, I'm sure some companies do that. Uh, maybe, maybe kind of companies do that, but not enough because there were every, you know, we would hear, we would have tons of names of like, Hey, here's what we do. Here's what's going on. And I don't know if just getting access to like, a calm app 
or something like that is enough. But I think in today's society and what's happening, it really important for HR to really reach out to test and see how the mental health and emotional well-being of their staff is. Because if they're not, if they're not engaged, if if they're angry, if they're frustrated, unhappy, they're not going to do well and the company's not going to do well. So I, I think that's a long answer for you, Chris, but I think that's that's some of the things to, at least to get started with. Mm -hmm. And then what do you think about putting a premium on productivity rather than like FaceTime and butts in the seat? It's so crazy. It's always been that way. I, it's, it's, uh, give me an example. You know, turn back the clock a while. I, I would give advice where leave your jacket on the back of the chair and have your coffee cup on your table and maybe, you know, the half eaten bagel within that, you know, aluminum foil on the desk so that if you're doing some, if you're, you know, you're out of the office and your boss walks by, they're going to look in and say, oh yeah, Jack must be around because I see the bagel, I see the coffee. Okay, yeah. So you would have to kind of go to those lengths. And I would also say, hey, leave a voicemail or send an email at like 1 a.m. in the morning or send an email or a voicemail over the weekend at really crazy times so that the, the boss will think, wow, Jack is an animal. He's working night and day weekends. And that was the thing because, you you, you know, it's, it's kind of always been this way where the boss is looking sometimes not as much to see like what's 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 the end what's the result but like are you working it's almost this thing like if you're war if you're not working you're taking money out of my pocket you better be working you know <laughs> hitting you with the whip so uh, it's it's i think for a lot of managers who grew up with the fact that hey you got to be in the office and this is why i think a lot of people a lot of you know, senior level people want you back in the office because that's all they know. They're used to being there, walking the halls. Everybody jumps to attention. Everybody's deferential to them. Everyone kisses their butt. Everyone is like laughs at their jokes and they love that. They want that. They want to see butts and seeds, people working and like, yeah, I'm really doing well. Now, productivity, I don't know if it's being productive or not, but they're feeling confident because it's their egos are being stroked. So there's, 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 there has been, and I think there continues to be that presenteeism, you know, that you have to be there, you have to be working, pretending you're working, mm -hmm. pretending that you're doing your job, and and then some. Um, yeah, it's it's a thing. It's always been that way. It's been there now, um, but I don't think it's healthy. I think especially, it would be better. I'm sorry, go ahead. Especially during the pandemic, when workers were predominantly working from home companies had record profits mm -hmm. but it's not like it wasn't working so then there's really no justification for forcing people to come into the office when they did just as well or even better working from home absolutely think about it imagine if if like these companies would say hey here's what you know here's your assignments here's what you need to do and you're able to knock everything out and it's three o'clock. Why should you have to stay from three o'clock to five o'clock? Think how ridiculous, just may, let, let's say like we didn't know anything about an office setting. 
you go here. Hey, Jack, here's Christine. Here's what you have to do for today. Here's your here. Here's your stuff. And we knock it out two o'clock, three o'clock done. And then maybe not only done, but we've done even more. So we're kind of set for tomorrow. But you still have to just sit there twiddling your thumbs, <laughs> scrolling, scrolling through social media, looking at your watch, gossiping with your neighbors, you know, with your coworkers, doing whatever goofy stuff you do. Like, how dumb is that? Especially for people who have to commute. And this is another thing. A lot of the executives, let's say you're in New York, in New York City, these execs live in very nice apartments. They'll have their chauffeur drive them to and from work. So they don't get that, hey, if I leave at three o'clock and I'm going to Connecticut, I'm going to, I'm going to New Jersey, I'm going to wherever, that commute takes for takes so long and it's expensive. But so if I can get out at three and beat the traffic, oh my gosh, that's fantastic. And if you leave at five-ish, head right in traffic going out the door, in out the elevator to the trains to it's just it's just brutal. So yeah. So so there's no it it just doesn't make sense. Whereas if you would say, hey, I finished my work at three o'clock. I'm out of here. And the boss says, yeah, enjoy the day. Think how much, how better that person would feel, how much more productive they would be, how much more engaged will they be? Because they're like, hey, I could do all my work and I get out early, or maybe I'm maybe able to come in a little later. And those are easy tweaks. And to go back to your HR question, right? Those are easy tweaks to do. We're a four-day work week where you crushed it for four days, killed it, maybe put in some extra time, but now you have a three-day weekend. So why not? I mean, we tried, like you said, we tried remote work and it worked. Why not have flexible hours when you finish your work, go home. If you're not up to it, you come in a little later, four-day weekend. Those are just some of it. Yeah. And I think that if they were to implement that, like workers just feel so much gratitude when like an employer shows them kindness and understanding and that'll show in their work and also how they treat customers and clients. And it'd be great to retain them. Yeah. And then it, it helps with recruiting because then they realize, oh, wait, if I do my work early, I could get out. I like that. Four day work week. Oh, that's good. I have young kids, so flexible schedule. So I could come in a little, you know, later. I don't have to worry about bringing my kids to, you know, childcare. Yeah. Then you're like, thank you. And, and then I would bet you work harder because you're, like you said, you're appreciative. Yep. So let's just round this up. It's like, so it's, it's this kind of interesting dynamic where at the beginning of the show, we're talking about how the stock market is doing well. Consumer sentiment is, is looking good because people are out there and spending and you're not spending if you don't feel confident. So you're out there spending. Um, job market seems to be fine. A little better for the government workers, healthcare workers, part-time workers, contract workers, a little har harder for white collar workers. There are, you know, valid reasons why you're, you know, it's not just you to be concerned about what's going on, the state of affairs, worried about your job, being a little nervous. It's it's natural. It's not like you're being 
hypochondriac being a hypochondriac. No, it's, you know, this is what we're all dealing with. Worried about keeping your job or trying to find a new job, um, how to deal with the financial issues with high inflation and high interest rates and cost rising. But then also, if enough people, if enough people galvanize together and say, hey, you know, this is not fair. I think, you know, we should get, because of inflation, we should get a cost of living increase or maybe a higher bonus, or maybe you should do a trade-off a couple more days off. And if enough people go to their, to their HR and to their managers and bosses and push for it, It'll happen, not in every company, but then it will happen. The companies who do that probably would get more engaged people. They'd recruit people more easily, retain them. And then other companies will see it and say, oh, or other people working at other companies will say, hey, I'm going to do the same thing in my company because I've seen what happened with Jack's company. That worked. I'm going to see if we can do that there too and change it a little bit. Uh, a little wishful thinking at the end. So a little positive spin on maybe what can be done and might possibly happen as time goes on. So thank you everybody for watching and listening today. I really appreciate it. Um, enjoy your week, getting close. We're in the holiday season. So try to have fun, enjoy it as much as you can. As always, if you have any questions, you need any help, you need any advice, hit us up. Any ideas for topics, let us know. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Thank you very much. And thank you, Chris. Thanks everyone. Bye-bye.